Chris. Juliet. I think you know this about me, but I like to drink vodka. My, I do. My yeah. go-to drink is a vodka soda slash of pineapple. You can call it the Juliet. You do. I do. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I do indeed. And perhaps you'd want to have Belvedere Vodka in your Juliet. It's produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries. Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere is made of non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today. And remember to always drink responsibly. Always drink your Juliet's responsibly. Always. Particularly over All-Star Weekend. Before we get into this episode of Sources Say with me, Chris Ryan, and Juliet Littman, let me just tell you about a couple things going on The Ringer that you may be interested in. First of all, college basketball, it's almost March, man. So you want to become a, an expert in college basketball? Do yourself a favor. Listen to One Shining Podcast with Tate Frazier and Mark Titus with the upcoming NBA Draft Talk on the rise. You can brush up on your NCAA knowledge with Titus and Tate every Tuesday and Friday with One Shining Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of the NBA Draft, you might want to check out the great 2015 NBA Redraft on TheRinger.com. Our basketball staff, John Charks, Kevin O'Connor, Danny Chow, Justin Verrier, John Gonzalez. They went through the the crazy draft of 2015, which has given us many a unicorn and many an interesting player, uh, and redrafted it to see where those guys would go. Carl Towns still going number one, but some really controversial picks there. Kevin O'Connor taking Devin Booker number two. Whoa. I won't tease it anymore. You just got to go check it out. And before we go, let me just actually encourage you, please to read uh, K. Austin Collins' piece on Black Panther today. It is one of my favorite pieces Cam has ever written, and that's saying a lot. It is an awesome review of the new uh, Marvel movie, Black Panther. a pre-All-Star edition of Sources Say, the NBA Gossip Podcast. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Chris Ryan. We got a lot to go over. A lot of slights, a lot of stories, and a lot of drama. Maggie Haberman of the NBA is here. (laughs) Just call me at Maggie the Ringer, at Maggie NYT, but at Maggie TR. Okay. Thanks. Um, (laughs) Should we begin with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah, let's talk about Woj's uh, very Politico-esque story. Interesting that you painted that way. Yeah, because I think that um, you, we were talking about this this morning. So Woj has a huge story in ESPN today that's basically a TikTok of the 24 hours leading up to the massive overhaul of the Cleveland Cavaliers roster. And you were talking about the influence of like Lee Jenkins style, you're in the room pieces. Yes. But uh, this actually, to me, feels a way more like a Politico or MYT inside the White House story, even down to Woj saying like this, you know, ESPN spoke with X amount of people involved in this deal. That to is do this. like a preamble that accompanies many of these stories. Like ESPN or Politico spoke with 20 people. Yeah, 50 people who are currently working or have worked and, or are friends with people who work yeah. in the White House. And so the story is um, I don't know if it, I, there's nothing too scandalous in it. There's a couple of interesting sliding doors moments in the story. But the thing that you and I were really reacting to is A, Kobe Altman should get a byline because. <laughs> A lot of this story could only come only from, from Kobe. Kobe. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like the guy from the Kings is calling up Woj and is like, and then I pulled this clown show move. Can you believe I dropped Papianis yeah, into this exactly. trade deal? And uh, and and then there's also just like the the intimacy with like 
like what time this phone call was made or this text message was made and the specific reaction of somebody who was on a phone call and it was either Dennis Lindsay of the Jazz or Kobe Altman. And you can just read the story. And it just is very clear that Kobe is... Is, is 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 orchestrating this. And I have to say, there is a winner of the trade deadline so far. It's Kobe Altman. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's controlling his narrative. Another part about this is because it came from Kobe Altman, it is um, in some way, we, we believe it did. It is in some ways generous to LeBron. Like it makes, like like LeBron. A lot of it. checking with LeBron. Yes. A lot of, but, I, I need to sit down with LeBron. But not a lot of people could know and would be willing to say that LeBron and Dan Gilbert have only spoken like two or three times in the last year. Yeah, there was this, this seems to push back slightly on the athletic piece that was out about a week before the tread deadline that was essentially like, it essentially said there is a perception that Kobe Altman is in over his head a little bit here and that uh, he, one of the problems is that like there's just bad communication between Camp LeBron, Camp Gilbert, Camp Cavs front office, yes. whatever. This paints Kobe And that Altman. Gilbert was essentially running the team still. Right. Kobe Altman is painted as both like master deal maker. He's, he's perfected yeah. the art of the deal, but also um, like the peace broker right. between right. LeBron and the Cavs. Which, you know, I mean, Kobe Altman might have learned really at the feet of David Griffin. That the best way to sort of paint yourself... Look, David Griffin did a really good job getting the Cavs to multiple NBA finals and like keeping a talented team around LeBron James and pulling off the the Wiggins for love trade and everything. But he was also on Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Rosillo's show like with some frequency. Like you can hear there's certain GMs that are really good at getting out there and like controlling how people think of them. And now you can't help but come out after two wins over the Celtics and the Thunder, even though it's really early. And I, I think it's easy to get kind of carried away. He's done a really good job at saying, like, there was a vision for this team. We put it together. And uh, this is all an effort to keep LeBron. The big thing that I wanted to talk about is this revelation that they are very much aware that they could have just cleared the path for LeBron to join the Lakers. Yes. That is, that's like, I think we should like kind of go over like the five biggest yeah. revelations. That's probably number one. Could that be revisionist history? Is it possible that that's being like slipped into the narrative now because yes. they didn't? Because that was literally what Windhorst tweeted the second the trade yes. happened is that the Cavs just made it easier for the Lakers to get Paul George and LeBron James. Absolutely. Yes. So I, I don't know. Like, if you're who, like, why would you talk about that and while you're making the deal? Like, I, like, I don't know. I sort of I have a hard time believing it was like, at least discuss the way that it's written about in this article. I, with free agency, it's kind of weird, right? Because I think there are a couple of teams that if you really just wanted to go there, mm-hmm. like that team could make it happen. Sure. If you just, if LeBron wanted to go back to Miami, if LeBron wants to go to the Lakers, if LeBron wants to go to whoever, they're just going to be able to do it. Like, sure. Yeah, I think that, that we learned that from Houston last year. Yeah. Like, if, a play, if he wants to go to Houston, they'll if, figure it out. Yeah, like Chris, like the, like the Rockets and Daryl Morey found a way to clear all the space for Chris Paul. Like yeah. they just, and then, and the other teams helped. Like there's just sort of, when a player decides, it's up to him, yes. and the teams make it happen. Basically, yeah. like no one, no one was blocking the Chris Paul stuff, and, and so, so yeah, they're gonna block what happened, what LeBron James wants. And one of the things that we were talking about today with this article is this idea that um, the only people who come off poorly in this piece are the Kings, sure, and that uh, I don't know whether or not that is a calculated risk by say Colby Altman if he is in fact the person who is like, and then the Kings basically at the last second tried to insert Papianis into this deal so that they didn't have to have the embarrassment of buying him out. Basically, the Kings drafted Papianis in the first round a couple of years ago. He sucks. They want to get rid of him. 
they know he's going to be bought out, but they essentially wanted to trade him so that they didn't have to do the buying out. So it didn't right. look like they were giving up on him. Right. And there had been an initial deal agreement or some sort of agreement on a trade, the one that eventually wound up including Amon Shumpert and George Hill and all these people. And then at the last second, the Kings tried to insert Papianis and the Jazz almost walked away from the whole thing. And that was the Rodney Hood part of it. So the only people who look bad in this whole thing are the guys from the Kings. Yes. Especially Vlade, who apparently does not get on trade calls, right. even though he's the GM of the Kings. And has veto power. Yeah, but has veto power. <laughs> so maybe you do this story and you're like, the chances are is that this will not be the front office of the Kings next summer. Or I'm never going to have to do a deal with them again. Or every all, or uh, all other 28 teams consider them to be such a clown show anyway that right. it doesn't matter. Or Vladi Divac doesn't read the internet. Yeah. yeah. Be, or like they're just like, they're <laughs> never going to find out. It, was, it definitely was weird. I also thought it kind of made um, Channing Frye and Shumpert look bad as well. Why? Because of the way that the Clippers like wouldn't take them on. And that's why they, oh, yeah. and that's why they yeah, yeah. switched. Because like they're... The first deal they were working on was for DeAndre Jordan and sending a bunch of players to the Clippers. Yes. But the Clippers were so resistant to Shumpert and Channing Fry that they wouldn't do it. I kind of think Shumpert's the biggest loser of, of the trade deadline in mm-hmm. some ways. Like he was a key part. He was on the Knicks, like so he was famous. Then he was part of a championship team and like dating Tiana Taylor. And now he is like an asset they were desperately trying to move and no one wanted to take on. So yeah. they had to like do whatever they could. So and the other big thing that comes out of this, and it, it's come out of a few other pieces, but it's becoming more and more explicit as the days go on, and uh, it shouldn't come as no surprise, but that beyond improving the team, the number one thing that Kobe Altman was trying to get accomplished over the trade deadline was getting rid of Isaiah Thomas. Yes, get it. So they're just like, we got, no matter what, that was the most dramatic line in Woj's piece, Isaiah Thomas had to go. Yeah, now it's interesting to me because we have also heard in bits and bobs that D-Wade was obviously friends with LeBron, but was not always like the best person to have in the locker room. Yes. But Dwayne Wade's move out of Cleveland has been pitched as this, like, everybody's happy. Everybody wants. Pat Riley wanted him back. Eric Spolster wanted him back. D-Wade and Gabby Union wanted to go back to Miami. LeBron gave it his blessing. They found the best place possible for Dwayne. And there's nothing about this... You know, was Dwayne Wade good or bad for the locker room? Absolutely, totally. Also, there's there's actually kind of like two slightly competing narratives. One that LeBron and Dwayne Wade were telling, where LeBron told the story of how Wade showed up at the mm-hmm. um, practice facility, and he was like, "Did you hear what happened?" And it was like a surprise to them that Dwayne Wade got traded. Yes. But then Woj wrote like that the Cavs decided that Wade deserved to make a decision on his own. So that makes it seem like Wade asked to be traded back to Miami. Right. Or Well, to they leave. probably told him, like, you're we're going to go with Jetty Osmond and we're also going to bring in a couple of other wings yeah. and you're probably going to play. You're going to basically get Channing Fry minutes. If somebody's hurt, you'll play. Right. But for the most part, don't even bother taking off your, your like, warm-ups. Right. But it's it's been rumored that Wade was a real locker room problem for them. Yeah, Bill talked about it. Other people have talked about it. It's not necessarily that he's, like, divisive. I think it's, like, wartime president, peacetime president. Sure. And I think when your team is doing well, Dwayne Wade's a great guy to have around. And if teams are doing badly, like the Bulls were, you know, he can be a little bit divisive. It's just harder for... LeBron, the self-proclaimed camaraderie guy, to like foster that camaraderie when his best friend is around because there's like an obvious like um, friend balance, like imbalance, yeah, basically. Sure. So I'm sure for the Cavs that were there last season, it was just like a different, it was a different vibe. Yeah. And then for the new player, they just had so many disgruntled new players anyway. Yeah. So uh, two games, 
Two games in, they they look spry. There's a lot of uh, a lot of Jordan Clarkson. Just a lot, lot. of Jordan Clarkson. What's this thing that he's doing? The thing with his arms? I don't know, like his three point gun or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but like LeBron's super into that already. Sure. It they do have. Okay, do you think it's forced or not? The way that everybody is already on the same page in terms of like celebrating, being into each other. Everybody loves Jetty. I think it's not forced, but I also don't think it it will completely last. Okay. I think it's not forced because. Clarkson and Nance have been on losing teams for a long time, and now they're content they're, for their whole careers. Now they're contending for the playoffs. George Hill was miserable in Sacramento. Now he's contending for the playoffs and like a meaningful player. Um, Rodney Hood has like no responsibilities whatsoever yeah, except Le- to hit wide yeah, open. Yeah, the threes. expectations are yeah. super low. Yeah. Um, LeBron has like a younger team around him, and they like there's reason for them all to be happy, but they also like have only been together for less than a week. So. Yeah. Like get back, get back, like LeBron. Check in with me about Jordan Clarkson in in three weeks, four weeks, and let's see how you're feeling. I would say flat out, this is they are already faster than the, any Cavs team I've seen in like two years. Oh yeah, maybe the sure. whole time. Like just running the break, the ball's zipping around. Jr. is obviously, he's just like can't believe his luck. He's still in Cleveland. He's yeah. so psyched. Uh, he's back. I don't know. I I don't know. I I I I think the NBA is pretty pretty cool when LeBron is thriving like this it's tough it's it's just unbelievable how much of the last four years really he is the ups and downs of the Cavs have been the dominant NBA story even in the face of something like Golden State where I guess it's just like excellence is sort of hard to write about on a daily basis and the drama is better but you almost wonder whether or not like does LeBron know that you know, it's like, does LeBron, if LeBron just went out every night and did his thing and scored 25 and 7 and 7, and everybody was like, he's probably the second best player of all time, but would we get bored talking about it if there wasn't this extracurricular activity? That's a good question. I think that the way that he talks to the media so much and is so vocal also really contributes to it because there's always something to parse. Yes. Whereas, like, Steph and KD just give much more boring quotes, so there's just, like, not a lot to dig into. Yeah, but LeBron also has learned... I You can't tell me that LeBron doesn't know that there is an element of suspense to his entire career, where ever since 2011, he's able to... Uh, Keep people guessing about what how he actually sure. feels, where he's going to go, how, like what does he think of the what do you th- what does he think of the coach, what does he think of his teammates, and there, he's just it, he, I don't think that that's an accident that we're always on pins and needles waiting to hear what he's going to say or what how he's going to react to something because he's realized that that's the best way to, to keep himself in the public eye. Totally, and also to control the league. Like no one can make moves until he makes his decision. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely, <laughs> and that's the other thing about this Cavs team. Like, do you believe in them? Ultimately, he still has to do all the work. Like their fortune still relies on like how and on, and, and, is. and are incredibly reliant on his health. Yeah, because so, which I I am still sort of he's tweaked his ankle. He's playing a ton of minutes. I don't know when his two week vacation is coming if he's going to take one. No vacation this year. That's that's gonna be interesting to see him in the playoffs. Then. I know, I know. Like how long can he last? Also, like Larry Nance is injury prone. Like, well, how long will he last? Yeah, or whatever. I don't know. It's it's like it's definitely fun. Having them uh, have a new look, though, like yeah. we were like ready to ride out like another like two months of like the Cavs disaster with Isaiah Thomas. This is this is more fun. Oh, for sure. I'm I'm excited about it. Um, speaking of other excellence, <laughs> let's talk about the Cavs for I mean the Warriors for a second. Sure. Uh, two nights ago, Monday night. Yeah. Steve Kerr allowed his players to coach. Uh huh. And this is a Steve Kerr bit. It came out via Ramona on Twitter that a lot of coaches allow their players to like call plays or or take over the huddle but it's less obvious. Steve Kerr has really leaned into the bit this season. And to that extent, he very 
um, dramatically and and obviously turned his uh, clipboard over at various times to Draymond Green, David West, and Andre Iguodala, mm-hmm. and then told uh, told reporters after the game that um, Omar Caspi and JaVale McGee were running shoot-around. They, J- JaVale McGee was on a computer running the film session. Yes, right. And so he like allowed them to take over, and he said the team was was uh, sick of hearing his voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, first reaction from you was, "This is bullshit," and very rude to the Phoenix Suns who they were playing. Which apparently the Phoenix Suns didn't carry. This is one of the fastest. The Suns are news, so. This boring. is one of the fastest uh, inciting incident backlash backlash to the backlash. I don't care. <laughs> it had a thirty-five minute lifespan, um, where I was like, "This is ridiculous." Like I was just like. I, I, what do you guys want to do here? Like you, 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 like you can't, you're going to beat the Suns anyway. So that it, it's sort of, I didn't, I thought, did I think it was rude? I guess, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess nobody gives a shit anymore about any of that stuff, which is so fine. Like, that's cool. But I don't really, the idea that Steve Kerr is like empower, like the, as soon as everybody got in with like self-help management techniques and stuff, I was like, I'm out. I'm out on the story. <laughs> I don't want to hear about like your pyramid of success or like the Tony whatever. Robbins. Yeah. Just like, I guess it worked. Let's sure. see how they play again. Yeah. One thing I've noticed about this Warriors team through all of their, like, they just sort of, like, everyone, like, they look bored. They're, they're not having fun. There's no real insight into, like, what's going on with them. No, I think they're tired. I think they're, they're, I think they can beat any team on any night and they know it. I think some of the guys are getting a little older. I think that there's a couple of guys on the team, like JaVale and Nick, who are not necessarily, like, I, I don't, they're fine. They're they're great. The Warriors are great. I just it, I guess if I'm bored with them, I can understand why Steve Kerr would be bored with it, and you want to set new challenges for everybody. I suppose it was a good idea. Yeah. I just like when champion. There was so much about like the what was going on with the Heat when they lost in fourteen. Yes. And there's we're still talking about what was going on with the Bulls after '98. Like all this stuff. Like, yeah. And I just feel like there's none of that with the Warriors. I'm just like, where's the drama? I think the drama will come if they don't win this finals. If for some reason to? they they don't win the finals. Do I think they're going to win the finals? Yes. Quite easily. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Rockets. Okay. Daryl yeah, Warriors We've already got me. a fathead bet on this. Yeah, we do. We Chris and I put fatheads up in our office. We've got Clay Thompson and Ben Simmons yeah. learning over us. Pretty, and what did I say I'd put up on my d- d- if the, Kyrie Irving? If the uh, Warriors don't win, we'll be putting Kyrie Irving over your desk because you don't like him and I do. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever. Also noticed, we're also almost at the one year anniversary of uh, Kyrie Irving proclaiming the world is flat on the Road Trip and Podcast. Yeah. I think it might be the one year anniversary tomorrow. Really? Yes. It came out during All-Star Weekend. Kyrie's been notably silent. His his Uncle Drew trailer came out today, and we've heard, like, nothing from him. Yeah, he really didn't want anything to do with conversation about what was happening in Cleveland. He's like, I'm in Boston. It's true. Um, In the, in the spirit of Kyrie saying dumb things, we're going to get into some hotter gossip. Okay. But first, I want to talk about our sponsor. This is J.J. Reddick here to talk to you about the J.J. Reddick Podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Currently, I play in the NBA for the Philadelphia 76ers, but you may know me from my previous teams, the LA Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Orlando Magic, or from my college days at Duke University. Being a professional basketball player, I have a great opportunity to talk to a lot of interesting people, and the podcast is a place where I can share those conversations with you, the listener. On my show, I sit down with athletes, celebrities, and a variety of other special guests. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the JJ Reddick Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. 
Okay, let's get to the hotter topics. I know that people care about the Cavs and the Warriors, but the second half of the show is really my time to shine. And also the time... <laughs> the second half? Is that a thing? No, just with these topics. Oh, these I'm topics. excited. Okay. Number one, we got to make a pit stop in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., where there still is discord in the Wizards locker room. The funny thing about this Washington Wizards story this year is these guys can't even do uh, chemistry problems, right? Like, they've screwed up chemistry problems. They Seriously. had team meetings. Which Bradley Beal said was, I don't want to say it was pointless, but it was pointless. Yes. That's a paraphrase. Then there was basically a period where they won a few games without John Wall. I think they went 5-0 and without John Wall initially. Um, and there was, I, I don't know whether the players were getting trolled into saying this kind of stuff by the media, but they were basically like, the ball's moving, it's a team win, everybody eats. That was their motto, everybody eats. Uh, and then... Marcin Gortat had tweeted out something about, like, great team win. And then John Wall LOL'd at him. Yeah. And has basically been, like, pretty public about saying, like, all of Marcin Gortat's buckets and is by proxy, like, the money he has made since he joined the Wizards are courtesy of him, like, are because of John Wall. So for him to be talking about everybody eats and everybody gets to touch the ball is ridiculous. Uh, so they've had a back and forth. Gortat said he tried to, like, he wasn't really talking about John Wall. And then yesterday it was reported, or today it was reported that the Wizards had, that Gortat and Wall had met, and that it was a quick meeting, and there are still issues to work out. Stop having meetings, Wizards. It's not working out. You guys don't know how to <laughs> do conflict resolution. They really don't. Really like, need a mediator They in there. really do. Who should we bring in for them? They got to get some HR. I guess. Who's, whose side are you on? I'm... Here, let me make this ex- explicitly clear. Okay. I'm on John fucking Wall's side. <laughs> I don't give a shit about the Wizards. So if anything, I could care less if they win no games or all the games for the rest of the season. I, I like John Wall. I don't care about the Wizards. And this whole thing is so hilarious to me. Um, But like, let's take Gortat out of it. Like if you're building your team, or uh-huh. do you want John Wall or Bradley Beal? Yeah, I mean, I get. Why do you have to choose? Because that's the obvious fight. It's very clear that the fight here is between John Wall and Bradley Beal. It's not actually about Gortat. Gortat is choosing a side, and it's not John Wall. So you think that Brad and John are having a proxy war? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Gortat is just like, he's Yemen in this whole situation. Wow, political. I Uh, love that. We started with Politico, you know? Gosh, I'm I'm seeing John Wall. I'm seeing John Wall. You're the original paid John Wall guy. Yeah. I I can't back off of that platform. I mean, I'm going down with the ship. It's pretty unreal, though. I mean, this doesn't. You know look- what I want to do is I want to start a GoFundMe to buy my own NBA team, and I'll take all your I'll take all your distressed ex Kentucky assets. <laughs> Let me get Boogie recovering from an Achilles. Recover- Le- recovering? Did you see the picture of him stretching yesterday? No, how's he There's going? A picture. Of, he's apparently rehabbing in LA, and he's filming the whole thing. Like he was doing stretches with like a guy. Boogie like, versus time. On the ground, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Boogie versus time. But I'm really excited for that content. Uh-huh. I just I'm curious where it's gonna land and like how many like how much. Yeah, what platform do you think that'll wind up on? Like probably Verizon's Go90 or something. Funny or die. Yeah, (laughs) something like that. Okay, so you're Team John Wall 100% of the way. Yes. The thing that I find funny about this is like there was never um, a question about like if the Wizards could win the East. Like obviously no. Yeah. So I'm just sort of like, yeah, this is a hilarious fight because this is a team that. Team building is so existential right now. It's it's so hard. It it's really hard. is. Because everybody is like, oh, you need two or three superstars to to, to win. Then the, all those guys need to get paid. Then the the four and five players also eventually need to get played when they are good. This is going to happen to the... I was just listening. Rosilla was talking about this with the Thunder. This is going to happen. The Thunder almost are going to be screwed if Paul George stays. Right, because they have to pay him. Because Melo will opt in and then Steven Adams is up. 
and right. then they, they can him. keep putting Fergusons and Eustaces around them, but it's almost bad to have these like really superstar heavy teams. Well, it's you kind of want the two-year contracts, right? Like like the way KD did. Yeah, basically. but that's why I think that what Toronto. I mean, Toronto should probably be the model for Washington, but mm-hmm. that would require them having a good general manager. <laughs> Shots. <laughs> Does Masai have the most universal appro- approval rating of any GM in the league? Except for, I think a couple of other GMs are like, that guy screwed me. And I guess Bob Myers is the other one everyone loves. Yeah, but I wonder if a bunch of people are kind of like, I could do what Bob Myers did if I had Steph and Kevin Durant. Or if I had Steph, Clay, and Draymond, I'm I could have done that. I'm glad you brought this up. This is something that we talk about internally that I think like with this whole handing the coaching over to the players, we need to discuss. Okay. Is coaching overrated? If Andre Iguodala, well, what's the? There, somebody had a stat on Reddit that the Warriors are fifty-four and four without Steve Kerr. Yeah, so like, <laughs> cool guy, love his politics, good speaker, good podcast guest. You know what? But I have like, to do let me just, overrate coaching. I want to add a quick footnote to my Steve Kerr thing. Okay, I think what it is is just that like we're a little easily impressed in the NBA. So I every night, every time Kerr and Pop say anything, we're yeah. just like, Dad. 2020 pop cur and it, they often say things that I completely agree with but just as somebody who's in, in taking in NBA content on a nightly basis every once in a while I'm just like what's Joe Prunty got to say you know what I mean like what's <laughs> what podcast is that guy listening to and I think it's just like we're too focused on pop and cur and they're like uh, you know I'm gonna tie one hand behind my back to make this job more interesting so I'm gonna sit half my team or let them coach or whatever you that know what reminds I mean? me um, Pop a couple of nights ago, maybe it was last week. Oh, yeah. Patty Mills had two fouls and it was the first half and they didn't want him to get him third. So Pop was mic'd up. I guess it was a TNT game. Sure. And um, it was Pop and three assistant coaches and Patty Mills and they were like in a huddle. And he was like, okay, we all have a vote. Do we trust Patty Mills to not get his third foul? And like they all voted yes, we trust him to not get his third foul. And it was like just, it was theater for. For the sake of it's theater, why I the guess. NBA is actually awesome is because we're we we can have like an entire podcast about like not basketball. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so anyway, Patty Mills did get his third foul, and it was interesting because I was like, would would Pop do this if he wasn't mic'd up? Would or Pop do it in the playoffs? Would Pop do it in the playoffs? Is would Pop do it like with Lamarcus Aldridge? Like, does he always? be that sarcastic dude or is it only with someone like Patty Mills who knows can handle it yeah. but like that is the kind of thing where I'm like does co- like how much does coaching matter like is it about more of the managing of egos or like actually about drawing up yeah plays? I was thinking about that with the Cavs too because I think uh, I thought that I, I wasn't sure that Ty Lue was going to make it one of two people was going to go Ty Lue or half the Cavs yeah right and uh I wasn't sure if he was going to make it. And I was like, kind of like thinking like if they bring in Fizdale or if they bring in Mark Jackson or if they bring like whoever they could bring in, would there be a dead cat bounce where there would be an inevitable, like the, the, the Cavs would do better with a new coach. And you do wonder, it's like Ty Lue's probably the, like the guys who are in Cleveland right now probably don't know any plays. No, they don't like Crowder in Utah. They were saying like, he's really intuitive, but like they, in Utah notoriously has a pretty hefty playbook. Yeah. And they're like, Jay Crowder knows like two plays. It's but true. Utah has won 10 games in a row. And he like looks better. Yeah. And, and the same thing for Cleveland. Like there's the, if you pass the ball a lot and run hard, usually good things happen. Right. And that's essentially the formula for the Warriors, right? Like that and have three of the best shooters of all time. Yeah. When you're talking about team building, it's sort of like you need two stars and then you need a lot of people who can score. Yeah. And then I think defense is the most teachable. But this happens in almost every part, like job and like in a lot of different offices, a lot of different like professional environments. There are people who are super detail oriented and there are people who are probably a little bit more responsible for like overall culture. Sure. And I think Kerr and Pop, 
I'm there. X's and O's are probably out of this world. 99th percentile but the thing that makes them really special is the little things that they do to keep people engaged right. with playing the right way and that's what everyone says about someone like coach k as well that like yeah he and that's why he like got to run usa basketball and now why pop is. and why they all love him yeah yeah because yeah, right. about culture because like they've grown up playing basketball i know what to do yeah, like yeah. they're like all they you know you have to have a high basketball iq to be in the nba sure. i don't want to talk about that though i want to move on to another topic are that's, you ready it's your podcast it's our podcast, Chris. <laughs> Come on. Um, TMZ has already posted two things about this story, which is an L.A. story with Michigan <laughs> thrown in. And it is about uh, Blake Griffin, who is being sued for palimony by his former girlfriend. Bryn Cameron. Bryn Cameron. So there's two There's two stories. There's two posts here that I want to talk about. The first one is... Oh my God! It's actually they did three stories on this already. I can't believe it. So, the, so she's filed a suit, and they're basically yeah. deriving they're, 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 in yeah. real time. They are like going through the suit and uh, doing stories about it. Can so I they, ask you a quick behind the scenes question? Yeah, sure. What's the deal with that? So, L.A. courthouse gets a lawsuit. Yeah. Does someone in like the L.A. courthouse system alert TMZ that this has happened? Do they have like a database that they're just like looking at names of people who are filing lawsuits? I believe so. Harvey Levin's a lawyer originally, mm-hmm. so he's really good at like mining the legal system for their stories, and that's yeah. how they get a lot of exclusives. I believe that they it goes both. They have sources, but they also like do their own research. Okay, so I, I believe. Okay, so she signed. She filed us a lawsuit. The, the first like kind of big headline was that she claims that Blake Griffin um, abandoned the family for like a, the celebrity of dating Kendall Jenner. Mm-hmm. And then, Do they, does Kendall, do Kendall, Kendall Jenner and Blake Griffin still date? I believe so, yes. Even though he's now on the, on the Detroit Pistons. Um, and she said that uh, it was embarrass- cruelly embarrassing, said they didn't have a place to live, and that um, she had to like rely on her brother for money, basically. Matt Leinart. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, her brother. Jordan Cameron. Jordan Cameron. That's right. Matt Leinart is the father of her first son. Um so that was the first story. Then the next one that came out is that they said the reason they broke up is because she wouldn't sign the prenup. Mm-hmm. And that was a week before their wedding. And then there was, this is kind of the most interesting story for our purposes, which is that Blake was having such a hard time dealing with Chris Paul being the face and the voice of the Clippers when they were on the team together that she had to like step in and coach him on like conflict resolution and like help him feel better about like not Bring Cameron, this. call the wizards. I mean... <laughs> Send her to Washington. Yeah. <laughs> this is like pretty explosive. This yeah. is like a very damning lawsuit. I think for a, in a lot of celebrity cases, when there's a high profile breakup like this, you got a a pretty damning lawsuit. But this is this is definitely not. The it PR. seems calibrated to make Blake look. Of course. Weak. Yeah. Of course. And she has a she hired like a famous divorce lawyer, as so often happens in L.A. With divorce stories. But um. This is pretty tough. It's a so it's Blake a bad and Bryn were they married or is it this is for child support? Um, this is for child support because okay. she claims that they are homeless and don't have she doesn't have money to like deal with the kids. Um, so this is pretty tough. And I actually had heard this before that the reason they didn't end up getting married in July was over their prenup, mm-hmm. and then this is that has now made it into the lawsuit. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but that's the version of events that she is telling. Um, and yeah, it's like it's pretty intense. It's and sad. The level of detail about Clippers internal politics that's in this palimony suit makes it feel like it's calibrated to bring the most amount of embarrassment to Blake Griffin as Absolute, possible. Absolutely. It undermines him not only as like a father and a family man, but this is a quote from from her uh, lawsuit. 
She wrote, or she continued, Griffin struggled to be viewed as a leader for the Clippers while Chris Paul was such a vocal presence in the locker room and the media, and this is when it gets really bad, and was better known for his drive to win and dedication to both team building and family values. That is, like, very, very damning of Blake Griffin mm-hmm. and under super undermining. Obviously, this is just her her lawsuit that she's filed, so this is her version of events, but um, it's really, like, go, it's like going for the jugular, basically. Yeah. And also kind of like playing into the perception of Chris Paul that already exists, whether that's true or not, who knows. But that's like what he's known for, right? Yeah. Like his drive to win and like his family. Yeah. So it's really pl- playing upon a lot of uh, both inver- both subverting Does it change the way you look at any people involved in this drama? As you know, I've been so appalled by the Blake and Kendall relationship since it broke. So no. Yes. Um, I just find the whole thing sad and yeah. like kind of shitty. And yeah. I mean, everyone who knows Blake like really likes him. So... You know, I don't necessarily think this is like the final word on Blake Griffin, but uh, I find the Kendall Jenner relationship very tough, tough. To Bad digest. beat all around. Bad beat all around for everyone. Yeah. The other thought I had based on this is like for a team that never made it to the conference finals and never really won anything, like we just can't stop talking about the Clippers, like the old, the old Clippers. They will like in some ways like define an era of basketball as much as the Warriors will. You know, it was. As a as an a, a addendum to the calf stuff that we were talking about, one of the other things in that Woj piece is uh, they basically have a deal set up for DeAndre and Kobe Altman has to decide, you know, if I make this deal, the only reason to do it is if we're going to resign DeAndre. And right. he's just like, and I decide, like, he's essentially like, and they didn't want to do that. Right. Well, and like- so that's like, it, it. it's always fascinating to me to see the way player value fluctuates based on age, where you are in your contract. And how the league is changing in terms of like, do, do they value somebody like DeAndre? Yeah. And to watch DeAndre Jordan go from in November, everybody's like, DeAndre will probably get traded. And it's going to be the hottest topic of the trade deadline is where DeAndre goes. And it was going to be the Bucks, or it was going to be the Cavs or whoever. Even Miami was in the mix for a minute. And now he is essentially the last guy standing on a Clippers team. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't re-sign him. He's, I, he's, de- he's definitely not a Clipper next year. No way. I just think that they are obvious, like clearly, like going to revamp that team yes. and maxing out DeAndre Jordan at thirty years old doesn't seem like a Jerry West move to me or a Michael Winger move. No, definitely, definitely not. Particularly since he needs he's most effective when he has like a great point guard around him. Yeah, and who knows who their next great point guard is? Well, they got Mil- if, Milos. If they don't have one, <laughs> Milos in Austin. <laughs> a couple of final notes before we wrap this up. Lonzo Ball expecting a child with his girlfriend. Yeah. Very undercovered to me. Like, we get a lot of Ball family drama. This is not really out there. I have a question for you about Lonzo Ball, aside from his child. Mm -hmm. Do you think he's a Laker at the start of next season? Yes. Okay. What do you think? I think it's in the mix that he's not. Interesting. I think that they like him, and I think he's good. But I I do wonder how many more times... There's no point in begging LeVar not to talk. Like, even he disappears, his children are in Lithuania, and he still pipes up with... um, if the Lakers don't bring on all of my children, Lonzo will not re-sign yeah. with the Lakers. Right. That's not something you want to hear. No. And I mean, that's true. Trade, it's also like, trade him while I sell his value you're in, a, you're in a fantasy land. Like, that's not how like the happening. NBA works. So it's like you're almost making these... It gets you publicity, but at the same time, if I'm Palinka or Magic, even though I'm Rob Palinka or Magic Johnson, so my life is pretty good, I'm still like, this is don't annoying. Don't need headache. Yeah. Some, but also, like, Magic and Rob got to where they are because, like, they like to win, you know? But and they so, also like to like work people and make yeah. deals and, and be in control. Yeah, and this is like this. This feels like something they can't control. If I'm the NBA, I also like if I'm the league, I hate Lavar Ball. 
I'm just like, come on, dude. Yeah. We didn't. We don't want a Chris Jenner around here. Like, we just don't. It's like, like no theater. Like, they don't. Also, like, they, like for the same reason, I'm sure the NBA is not happy about this Blake Griffin story having generating five TMZ sports stories sure. today. Like, it's just like not right what you before want. All Star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's just like let's focus on the good stuff. Let's focus on like Giannis, like his beautiful journey from <laughs> Greek man who never had a smoothie to like future of the NBA. Right. <laughs> um. And on a final note, let's just talk about a great dunk. Shout out. The the a great dunk. Rudy Gobert dunked all over Ennis Cantor on oh, on Twitter yeah. yesterday. Yeah, loved it. There's a picture of Cantor surrounded by five um, Sixers trying to score, and he, he could he couldn't. Yes, <laughs> and he but he like turned this picture into like a very self-aggrandizing like wow look how hard I fight. Uh-huh. And um, Gobert quote tweeted him and said. Pass the ball. So are those guys friends? Because I think we've gone through this with Cantor a couple of times where he gets uh, roasted, but then it turns out people actually like him. Yeah. Like KD doesn't like him. No, right. KD does not. Yeah, but he did, didn't he get the like a New York run, like a summer New York pickup run? With, oh, like, yeah. And it was like Chris he's Paul. Part of the, and, he's part of the, the Brinkley crew. Or okay. Brinkley, Chris Brinkley crew. So like, yeah. he was like in the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James like pickup game. And like Trevor Booker destroyed him on Twitter like, or after a game once where he was like, he got his 15 and 10 and then took the L as usual or something. Yeah. I just like. But I, I couldn't tell if they all actually liked him. I don't. I would guess. I, I don't know with him and Gobert, but I just I like that the. That Gobert is kind of like he's back. He's, he's feisty. You yeah. like it. It's that's that's what I'm looking for. That's- oh, and another another like ooh, we're being we're being very like avant garde with our decisions was Quinn Snyder asking Gobert if it was basically okay to leave Derek Favors in the game to win that, yeah. that tight one late of the night. Where he was like, Do you want to go back in? And Gobert was like, No, Derek Favors is doing a great job, leave him in. There's a there's a Quinn Snyder moment coming. First of all, he's a having seen him in person, he seems like an extremely confident, happy man. And I just feel like for all of the like stories in his past about you know when he was in Missouri, I just feel like there's a real Quinn Snyder hive. Quinn Snyder is the LA Lakers prince who was promised. Yeah, let Qu- me just tell you that Quinn Snyder. I, like, there's no information, but like when they're the, like, okay, the, now we need a real coach. Hair, yeah. yeah, Quinn Snyder's on on deck. There's a Quinn Snyder moment. It's gonna come, and I look forward to it. Okay, uh, I look I look forward to All Star Weekend. For I look forward to it as well. Plenty of drama. Can I ask and, you? Uh, sure. Let me let me get one prediction from you. Okay. Monday morning, I come in. I'm like, "What's up, Juliet? Mm-hmm. Who did you who who won All Star Weekend? Great question. As a personality, yeah, sure. as a person who just like made it all happen. In the past, when the All Star Game is in uh, places like Toronto or New Orleans, like we've joked before about, there's like a mayor. Yeah. So Drake was the mayor of Toronto All Star, but Demar and Kyle did a good job too. AD was the mayor of New Orleans All Star. Who is going to be the mayor? Because we don't have, we like, have an, an LA, LA talent deficit. Yeah, I think that uh, whose All Star Weekend is it going to? Who's gonna? Who's it gonna belong to? Joel Embiid. I'm worried that he is. I think he is on the verge of being too banged up to Overexposed. play. Overexposed. No, he's because oh. he's got an ankle. Well, as you know, and a back. I've been worried about this all season. Well, I just I think that if he tweaks anything in the next. Well, I guess it will only be the next two days. He's, he's scheduled to do a lot of stuff. He is. That's why I think he has a chance to win. Big personality and involved in a lot of events. Okay. Um, I also think we'll be getting a lot of DeMar DeRozan, hometown kid. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like the L.A. proxy, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that we'll also be getting a lot of Anthony Davis. Oh, okay. I'm concerned about Paul George. I just want to end with one piece of advice. Paul George, stop talking to the media. Hard, hard stop. You're going to get in trouble this weekend when you're back in L.A. I know it's going to happen. But he's just like listing all the teams that he also likes. He's like the number one. He is like, 
I just am concerned for his future. I want him to stop talking to the media. He gives the worst quotes. Doesn't do himself <laughs> any favors. And it's not helping his leverage. So my wish for All-Star Weekend is for Joel Embiid to stay healthy and for Paul George to stay silent. This has been Sources Say. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.